Good morning. It's good to be here. It's good to have everyone here, and we appreciate your attendance. We know that you uh, you had a lot of places that you could be today, and you chose to be here at the house of God, and we truly appreciate that. We thank you very much. We had a great breakfast this morning, tried to kick things off right. Hope everyone was able to enjoy that. Zane, I want to tell you thank you for uh, taking care of old dad this morning. I kind of lost my head, but he, he found it and kind of straightened, it, straightened everything out for me. You know, it's been good having him here. He's been here for uh, almost a week. Uh, no almost half a week, and uh, then he's going to turn around and leave, uh, but uh, it's been good to have him back for a few days. We appreciate everyone that's made it out and appreciate you being here. Um, I think our resolution this year, Brad and Brother Greg and Anthony, is maybe try to get this side to fill up as much as that side. Maybe that would be a good resolution, huh? So I want to wish everyone a happy New Year, we have a new, fresh start on the calendar. We know that it's full of hope, full of potential. In other words, it's a perfect time for us to connect with your loved ones. Seasons change, years come and go, but our church family right here at La Prada Drive continues to grow stronger and stronger. For a couple of moments, I want to share a few thoughts that uh, we've considered here recently. But first, but first, let me take you back six years ago. The summer of 2017, La Prada, we hosted the Church of Christ Conference right here in Dallas. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember what the theme was that year? A joyous life. We had some great speakers. And they, they talked on some subjects that really meant a lot to us. Dr. Lewis spoke to us about living a joyful and product, uh, productive life. Brother Leland, finding joy in life's trials. Y'all remember that one and there was not a, a dry eye in the crowd. Brother Dees from Pearland, keeping joy in our worship service. Brother Dukes, turning contentment into joy. And then Brother Jay Lloyd, he finished things up with joy is not optional. We really had a great uh, conference that summer. In fact, Sean, I think, I think we're on the, on the slate to, to host it again here in about four years. Anyway, I share these things with, with you because of last Wednesday night. I bring it all up. See, last Wednesday night we started in the book of James. And if you weren't here, there was about 72 of us that was here. But if you weren't here, man, you missed out. Brother Ethan spoke about James chapter 1. He really did a nice job. Brothers and sisters, do you want to do something positive in the year 2023? 
do you want to do something that your family is going to remember more than just one day? More than one week? Your family will remember more than one month? You can do this one thing and it's going to pay back to you in dividends time and time again, year after year. Well, Brother Brent, sure. What is that one thing? Make it a priority to be here on Wednesday nights. The church crowd that meets here is so uplifting, motivating. We lean on one another. We encourage one another. We open up the scriptures and we study. That's one thing you can do that's going to help your whole family all of 2023. It's an awesome pick-me-up in the middle of the week. And you know, it helps those that are already here. And like I already said, Brother Ethan, he spoke on James 1. He did a fantastic job. So I thought for a few moments this morning, I'll continue some of his thoughts. <clears throat> James chapter 1. Let's take a look at verses 1 through 4. He starts off, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Well, this book, the book of James, is written to all Christians. It's written by Jesus' brother, James. The book of James is probably the oldest book of the New Testament. It was written perhaps as early as A.D. 45. James was martyred in approximately A.D. 62, according to the historian Josephus. The book of James, it looks a little bit like an Old Testament book especially Proverbs. Proverbs in the New Testament, if you will. It's consistent focus on practical action in the life of faith. It reminds me of the wisdom that we find in Proverbs. It encourages God's people to act and to live like God's people. In verse 2, James writes about being tempted and counting it as joy. You know, sooner or later, every home, every individual knows heartache, trial, and sorrow. But God's word, it says that these tears can be turned into joy. Doesn't that sound weird? It sounds crazy. Being happy that we're going through a hard time in life. Sounds miserable, doesn't it? You know, there's only three kinds of people in this world. Those in the middle of a trial, those just coming out of a trial, and people who are about to go into a trial. Trials and temptations, they come to everybody. This is not a sign of weakness. It is not a sign that something's wrong with you. It's part of life, isn't it? How do we know that? Well... Jesus had trials, temptations. 
Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, tried and tested, like we are, yet without sin. So the fact of a trial is it's not if you go through, it's when you go through trials. They come to everybody. A Christian should expect trials, oppressions, misunderstandings, and being rejected. If anyone tries to teach that the Christian life is all sunshine and roses, well, they're teaching from an empty head and from a closed Bible. The Bible doesn't say that you might fall into temptation. It says you will fall into temptation. Job, he was blameless, upright man who feared God. He turned away from evil, yet in one day, in one day, I'm telling you, it was a bad day. Job lost everything, family, finances, fitness and health, to even friends. He lost it all, one day. Daniel, he was a man totally committed to God who prayed three times a day to the Lord, and he received a free trip to the lion's den. Joseph, he was a man of unquestioned integrity, decency, loyalty, purity. And what happened? He was thrown into a pit by his jealous brothers, sold into slavery, and then he was sent to prison for a crime he didn't commit without a trial. He was there for years and years. And then, <clears throat> Apostle Paul, we think of him as a great man, how strong Paul was. And indeed, he was. But would you trade places with him? Listen to this. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews... Five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings, often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Yeah, Apostle Paul was strong. But I would want to face those trials. I haven't come anything near any of those things. <clears throat> James, he talks about divers' temptations. From this Greek word, we get the word polka dot. Isn't that interesting? Life is dotted with trials. See how that goes along? The word means multicolored, multi-sized. 
in trials, they come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. They may be affliction, sorrow, sickness, physical trials, financial trials, psychological trials, and spiritual trials. And I bet if you dissect that last paragraph I said, you can relate to some of those trials that you've been in, that you faced. Maybe you're in right now. And if you can't, you have something to look forward to, right? Those are coming. There are various kinds of temptations. The Greek word for both trials and temptations is the same word. Sometimes we know that the Greek is more precise than English. For example, the Greek words for the word love. There's one English word for love, but yet in Greek there's four, right? But here we have two English words, trials and temptations. But it's the same Greek word. So we've got to look at the context. A trial is sent by God. It's a test sent by God. But the temptation is a test sent by Satan. Trials are given by God to help us learn how to be steadfast, dedicated, devoted, and committed. Temptations are given by Satan to cause us to stumble. And we stumble, don't we? We fall. We fail. Now God, with his test, he's aiming at your maturity. But Satan, with his test, he's aiming for us to be miserable. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to test you as though some strange thing happened unto you. <clears throat> now to be tested or tried, that's not a sin. To be going through a trial is not a sin. Now, sometimes the way we react, sometimes the way we act, sometimes our behavior, sometimes the words we choose, sometimes the thinking, they can become sinful. But the, the act of, of being tried and tempted is not a sin. Temptation is an enticement, an allurement, an inducement to commit sin. And these come from Satan, not God. God doesn't present temptation to people. James 1 verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. So God might send us a test, but he doesn't tempt us. These tests, well, he allows us to get into situations where we've got to make a choice between right and wrong. Now, falling into trials. Take Luke chapter 10, for example. The story of the Good Samaritan. This man, he's walking along the road from Jerusalem, and he fell among thieves. He wasn't looking for thieves. He wasn't wanting to be robbed. He wasn't asking for it. But these thieves, they were waiting and hiding, and they ambushed him. And the man fell seriously. Severely, savagely, he fell. 
He definitely was facing a life-threatening trial. We never know what trials just around the corner waiting for us, do we? We don't. We never know when they're going to appear. It might be in the form of a business deal. It might be in your next appointment, your next ride in a car, or even the next phone call that you receive. Maybe the greatest trial of your life. Someone on the other end telling you something you're not prepared for. You will fall into a trial. And what James says is, verse 2, count it all joy. James was not sadomasochist who delighted in being hurt. He was not saying you ought to enjoy trials or that trials are here for a joy. But he knew this, Hebrews 12, 11. He knew all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You know, out of all the verses that we're going to kind of look at today... I think this one really captures what James is talking about. Because you and I, we know discipline's painful. But we've got to understand there's a reason behind it. It seems painful, but later it yields or brings about peaceful fruit of righteousness. It doesn't mean to just grin and bear it, but instead to become an overcomer. We need to overcome. James is not talking about relishing or enjoying pain and sorrow. Christ, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. You see, Christ did not relish the cross. He didn't look forward to going to that cross. But Christ, he was able to see past it. He knew the outcome. He knew the way the story was going to end. He knew what the cross was going to accomplish in our lives, in the lives of others. You see, he looks ahead of the cross. He saw so many things. The lives that it would change, the homes that it would save, the good work that would be done in his name, and how all of this would glorify the Father. The fruit of our trials, the outcome, the accomplishment, what we're supposed to learn from it. Verse 3 Knowing that the trying or testing of your faith works patience. This is somewhat like a test in school. Some pass, some fail. So the boy, he says to the professor, I got a zero. I don't deserve this. And the professor says, Well, that was the lowest grade that I had. Does our faith pass or fail when it's tested? The purpose of a test is twofold. Test reveals the strength of your knowledge and it measures the weakness of your knowledge. You might think because you come to church every Sunday, because you sing praises, because you give money, because you... You're sitting there taking notes because you walk devoutly that your faith is strong. Doing all of those things are important. But only trouble 
will be able to tell how strong you are. You see, faith not only must stand the test of time, but it's got to stand the test of trouble. Proverbs 24, verse 10, it says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. One way we could paraphrase that, if you will, it says, If your faith fails you when trouble comes, your faith is weak. Someone made the statement one time, You can tell how great a Christian is by what it takes to stop him. This testing is also the word that refers to the refining of gold. Gold is sent through scorching fire, but it has nothing to fear from the fire because the fire simply it burns off all the impurities, all the trash, and all the junk. The fruit of trials, verse 3, is patience, endurance. I'm not talking about patience that you need for needlework or, or even to sit down and work a puzzle, a 500-piece puzzle, okay? But to endure under trial, under pressure. Keep in mind that the struggles that we go through, we're to learn from them. We're to grow from it. What are we supposed to learn? I can't always tell you. It's just we're supposed to learn something. We grow, th- we, we grow whenever we're fighting these trials. A man had a grandfather clock, and he felt sorry for the clock because it had this weight that was pulling down on it. The weight in that box was always pulling down, so the clock was asked to bear a heavy load. So the man said, Oh, clock, you've been holding this weight so long, I'm going to remove it and let you rest. So he takes the weight off. And the grandfather clock said, don't take that weight from me. That's what keeps me going. The trials and the test of life, they're there for your endurance. To keep you going, trusting, praying, to keep you leaning upon God. And I know it doesn't make any sense to us. We just don't get it. But always look to to strengthen your relationship with God. Whether a trial or enticement from Satan to sin, here's a promise for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, 11, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as, it, as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with temptation always make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. If temptation came from God, then we'd have an excuse to sin, but it doesn't. It doesn't come from God. We've discussed that, James 1.13. People try to find excuses for their sins, don't we? There's basically three excuses that we give. We say, my temptation's different. My temptation is unique. God says, but such as is common to man. Well, my trial, my temptation, it's too strong. He says, it will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But my trial, my temptation, 
There's no way out. But God offers a way to escape. I'll share this last story with you as I close. I read about a young Christian who was trying to get into the peach growing business. I've never been in the peach growing business. We had a bunch of pecan trees, but we had some peach trees. We never tried, never tried to make any money off of them. That was a good thing. We, would have, we wouldn't have made any. But a young man got into the peach business. He had worked hard. He invested everything he had in this peach orchard, which had blossomed beautifully. But then a frost came, and it destroyed his entire crop. Well, he didn't go to church next Sunday, nor the next, nor the next. So the elders, they went out to visit him and find out why. And the young fellow said, Brother, I'm not coming to church anymore. Do you think I can worship God who cares so little for me that he'd let a frost kill all of my peaches? One of the elders kindly replied very wisely. He said, Son, God loves you better than he loves your peaches. You see... God understands that while peaches can grow without frost, Christians cannot grow without trials. God is not in the business of growing peaches, but he is in the business of growing Christians. The lesson is yours. I wish everyone a happy 2023. Remember to count it all joy. And like I said, last Wednesday night, Ethan, he did a good job on opening the book of James for us. Come back this Wednesday. We'll be in James chapter 2. Take a look at it before church. And I think Brother Philip is going to be presenting that chapter to us. Chapter 2, it tells us, the theme of maturing in Christ, and it tells us not to show favoritism toward the rich and powerful, but to show love to our neighbors. James also tells us that in every trial that we overcome, it helps us to mature as Christians. This morning, are you a child of God? Have you been baptized? Have you had your sins washed away? Perhaps you need the prayers of the congregation. If we can help you in any way, would you please come as we stand and sing?